0: Welcome to Kesed. Welcome to Kesed. My name is Danny. I'm so excited that you guys are here. Uh, we have a quick announcement before we dive into the message. Um, Kessid is doing a lot of really fun stuff right now, uh, and uh, we talk a lot about that, but we haven't talked a ton about worship. And so I just want to take a minute and do that. Um, I feel like God is doing something very, uh, very unique and fresh around worship within our whole county, not just Kessed, but, uh, but especially right now within Kesed. And uh, we've been praying for about six months that God would help us and would uh, provide someone who could come and, and kinda just give some overarching leadership to, to what's next and all those kinds of things. But before I talk about Chandra, I wanna put up a hashtag real quick because every single service you folks have fought me. So I'm just gonna say this right now, Dave's not going anywhere. Yeah. I didn't, I I made this announcement on Thursday, I'm like, I'm so excited, Chandra! And people were like. (laughs) And Chandra and I just smiled at each other and I was like, whoa. And I think, I thought people thought we were gonna replace Dave. We're not replacing Dave, he's a staple here. And I don't know if you know this, Dave's not full time. He's got like a day job, he sings here with us, but this isn't what he does for a living. So just chill out, all right? (laughs) We needed somebody to come and take it full time and uh, I'm really excited because Chandra Geisen and her family, I think, is up in here somewhere, uh, has agreed to do that for us uh, on both campuses. Uh, I also want to announce that the other campus, they were here Thursday, but they're there right now, uh, Brady and Leisha Patterson, sorry, are taking over everything at that campus at Kesa Columbia. And uh, we're super stoked about that, that they're going to be taking that, so you can give them that. So I'm going to let Dave share a little bit about uh, Chandra and his heart for uh, what he also sees God doing and to remind you that he's not going anywhere. So I'm not going anywhere.
1: I appreciate, yeah, that's very nice that you guys, you know, applaud and I feel the love. So, and right back at you, really. I mean that with my whole heart. Um, worship, worship is something that, I was never planning to do. It was something that just came out of the blue uh, over 20 years ago. And um, I would sing on the worship team, and I'd play a little drums, and not very well, but I'd still play and I'd sing. But it was never to be up front and lead worship. But God had a different plan, and uh, I've been doing that now for over 20 years, and it's been it's been quite amazing to see God work. And so many lives and working in my life as well. Um, I've learned a lot of things throughout those 20 years. And one was that um, the people that God brings into worship and their heart is number one. Because I can see where some people, where their heart doesn't really fully connect. And I don't mean this towards anybody direct, but I just, in worship sometimes it can just it can become where God has given you a gift and it's awesome, and then it becomes about you. And um, God still works through that person, okay? But the amazing thing is, and the thing that I keep preaching and investing into people I've mentored throughout throughout the years, that God has given you this, this gift of of singing and leading. And it's not about you because you can be replaced very easily, so be grateful for it, and be humble, because it is a gift, and it is about Him. It's not about you, and I've said that from day one, and I've tried to, to be that person. And God has brought in, to Kessit many people that has joined the worship team, and I've never. I will say this there's been very, very, very little drama throughout my 20 years of leading worship. And I know that I've been told many times with worship with given a talent of singing and playing that your uh, ego can get in the way a little bit. But God has really, really sent some amazing people throughout my years of leading worship. And now he's sending someone with all those qualities and the humbleness to Kesid and it's Chandra. It really is. Um, thank you. I mean, Tom, is, Tom and Danny's met with her for for months, and I have as well. And just um, it was just the right fit. It was the right fit because of the gifting, the talent, and everything. But mainly, 100% the heart. And that's what it's about. It really is. So I'm gonna pray, and um, I wrote my prayer out so. I don't do very well speaking. I mainly sing. I could sing it out, not that it'd be, you know, I don't know what tune I'd sing it to, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's pray. God, we are so thankful for all those who have served here diligently in worship throughout the years here at it? We are also grateful that you bring new partners to help us with, to help us with worship, God, you bring a, a freshness to glorify your name. We pray that you you continue to bless with more and more help here at Kesset God and in all the areas, in all the areas God, bring a freshness just like you're bringing right now to the worship ministry. May we continue to glorify you by the praise that we bring you God from our hearts, truly from our hearts. My prayer is that we always bring the best and a freshness to you throughout the worship and throughout all the ministries in this church, God. It is all about you, all the glory, all the power, God, and all the honor, God, belongs to you, none of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Sergeant another hand just for, yeah. Thank you,
2: guys. two thousand years ago the world saw the original palm sunday on that palm sunday the lord of heaven and earth entered jerusalem on a baby donkey he didn't come to us with power and magnificence but with meekness and gentleness on that palm sunday those who sang hosanna would five days later shout crucify him on that palm sunday jesus turned his face toward jerusalem where he would endure the most painful and humiliating kind of death, the kind of death that would save the world. Palm Sunday is a reminder of who Jesus is and who we should be as we follow him. Palm Sunday reminds us that the way of Jesus is the way of the donkey, the way of humility, the way of gentleness. Palm Sunday reminds us that it's totally possible to be with Jesus on Sunday, but forsake him on Friday. And Palm Sunday reminds us that Friday is coming.
0: Well, good morning once again. For those those that are joining us online, thanks for coming. Again, my name's Danny, I'm one of the pastors, and uh, I'm really excited to share with you. Let me start by addressing uh, all the people who got dragged here on this uh, weekend. This is one of the highest uh, new visitor weekends of the year, other than Easter and uh, Christmas. So good for you, showing up in church. So uh, so brave, right? Church is, church is kinda, you, you never know, you just don't know. And so I just wanna say, relax, just, just relax. Uh, nothing crazy's gonna happen. Nobody's gonna grab you and drag you on stage or, or start doing weird stuff around you. You're fine, you're fine uh i also uh think church is a little odd and the fact that we gather and we talk like this about this this god that we can't see or or touch and so i just want to say that uh if you're curious if you show up to church and you're like "Eh, i don't know about this or if you're like i don't buy any of this i'm just here for a friend uh you're in the right place because Kesset is a place for people who are spiritually curious also if you know that god exists he is your very best friend and you are so, so excited about the stuff he's doing in your life, you're in the right place. We exist within that tension, and uh, we just don't pull our punches when it comes to being honest about the stuff we're dealing with, and the fact that we believe in a God, those of us who do, that is bigger than that stuff. And so, I'm excited that you're here. Uh, Palm Sunday is an interesting preach, as we say in the church world, Because those of us who uh, grew up in church, going to church, and so forth, know it as a very traditional uh, experience. That has made it difficult for me over the years because uh, I don't enjoy traditional approaches to Scripture generally, and I definitely don't enjoy traditional speaking, meaning that I do the same thing every time in the same way. And I always feel, my team knows this, so I'm letting this out of the bag, because I just admitted, we can walk in with all of our stuff. I got stuff too. And around this particular service and Easter and Christmas, I have stuff that says I have to preach in a very specific box, a very specific way. For the first three or four years of Kesset, I did it because as a lead pastor, that's the first time I'd ever spoke those things. And I hated all of them. I hated all of them. I walked off stage every single time. And I thought, I just, that just wasn't me. It's just not. And people were like, listen, listen, that's when all the Christians show up. You got to make sure and give that good meat and potato sermon. And I'm like, I don't feel like meat and potato right now. I'm more of a banana smoothie guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't feel like that. And, and so about five or six years ago, I just decided, you know, uh, number one, this church is established enough that I think they could handle it if I bomb all these big, important services. And two... Uh, I think bombing some things about church is actually really important because therefore it gets dismantled and put back in place, maybe a little bit different. And so we started doing that. So that's exactly what's going to happen in this service. We are going to take Palm Sunday from a different perspective and a different place and see, this is important, if scripture... Uh, uh, speaks to scripture, if scripture translates scripture. See, here's the thing that's important about you sitting out there listening to people like me or books you read or podcasts. All of it should line up with scripture. I just had somebody email me last night and they were like, listen, I'm listening to this thing and it's kind of bothering me but this person has a lot of authority and I'm like, look, anything that is solid, anything that is built on the foundation of scripture does not, it doesn't matter at all how much you push against it. It will never move. Therefore, it doesn't mind being pushed against You should be okay to challenge everything that comes out of my mouth or out of these hands. You should be okay to challenge. (laughs) You should be okay to challenge all that if it's based on scripture. If it's just based on a talent or a slick skill or a performance, then it should just fall apart. But here's the thing scripture always dictates scripture, it all fits together in this beautiful harmony. And that's what you should and I should be seeking to find and build our lives upon. And so, Scripture says I can bring all my worries to God. Scripture says I can bring all my angst to God. And Scripture says that the Holy Spirit resides within me, that he resides within my person, and that I am able to be frustrated and be authentic with him because he knows it anyways. So what if we took all of our church traditions kept the beautiful things that reminded us of God and just bombed everything else, just got rid of everything else that was just human made and and humankind and something that somebody somewhere worked, said worked, and then all of a sudden 100 years later, well, this is how we do it now. I don't care about that. I care about the God who was here before the universe existed and what he said. I don't care about the traditions. I honor the ones that bring him glory and I say, eh, to the ones that don't. Now, is that going to create tension in the room like we're experiencing right now? Sure is. (laughs) Let me say, there's a whole younger generation of folks in here right now who are glowing inside because they want to be part of new tradition building and they want to be done being judged for not following the traditions of their forefathers and foremothers that really didn't work in the first place but there's also another group of people in here who this is what you've held on to and this is important to you. I'm not saying tear it all down, I'm just saying tear most of it down. (laughs) Leave the good stuff, leave the holy stuff, leave the stuff that's biblical. The rest of it, let it be a style thing. Let it be a style thing and honor it and love it and be willing to change and see what the Holy Spirit does. So that's what we're gonna do. Now, here's what I've been working through the last uh, three months. As you may have guessed, it's been worship. I feel like uh, our Kesed community, if I'm authentic, uh, has some space to develop and grow into, as Dave said, a, a more fresh kind of worship experience and posture and presence. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it was heavy on my heart. And so Dave agreed, Pastor Tom agreed, who was up here, and we started searching and seeking and praying, and then all of a sudden God brought Chandra, and I don't know if you know this, but at first she met with us, and she was like, this could be fun, and then she was like, nah. And I was like, well, clearly the Holy Spirit's not working in her because uh, she should want to be here. But she was authentic about her heart and about stuff God wanted to do in her heart and her family's heart. And then eventually, out of nowhere, we're still praying, we're still seeking, and we're like, God, what do you want to do? And all of a sudden, I get a text from Chandra, and she's like, hey, could we meet? And I was like, hmm, yes, of course we could meet. So I met with her, and I sensed the Holy Spirit in her, and she finally came around, and she was like, I think I'm supposed to be part of this thing that God's building. And I was like, hmm, yes, yes, you are. So this was my approach when Palm Sunday came around the corner. I've been sitting in this worship posture. So I decided not to step out of it. I decided to just stay inside of it and to filter the Palm Sunday experience from a worship perspective. Because that's what I was dealing with. And I was blown away at what God ended up giving us. For those of you who don't know, you saw the video. Let me give you a quick recap. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter that begins the Holy Week. It is when we remember and celebrate the day Jesus entered Jerusalem as savior and king and changed everything. Now, For those of you who who don't realize there's there's just hundreds of thousands of people inside the city of Jerusalem at this point celebrating the tradition, celebrating the cultural uh, norms of the season, doing what they're supposed to do to celebrate this beautiful uh, Passover Holy Week. And then there's a whole other group of people. And those are the people who are walking with Jesus to collide with the people inside the city. Those are the people, by the way, who through word of mouth heard that Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead and experienced a whole bunch of his other miracles. Those are the new culture. And they're like, this this is the guy. And there's a bunch of people behind the city walls who are like, we're here to worship the possible, the God of the universe, but also the Messiah that, that maybe he'll bring. And then people are marching with Jesus like, this is the guy. And then people inside the Jerusalem walls are like, I hope there's a guy that shows up one day and helps us. And then people are like, this is the guy. And all of a sudden they collide. And beautiful things happen when these two cultures hit this new wave and this wave that's there to celebrate their traditions. And they realize this might be the guy and so they decide to worship. Now, it's important to understand, for those of us in the room, that worship is not just singing. Worship actually is as misunderstood a doctrine as any other within the church, and so can be one of the more difficult things in scripture to get our head around. Here's a quote that I like. Worship is to be more than a temporary, experience-oriented activity on Sunday, after which we revert to a normal life the rest of the week. That's an offensive quote. I wrote it myself. (laughs) Part of it. This means, contrary to popular belief, worship does not begin and end with the singing portion of our church services. This means, for those of you who routinely show up 21 minutes late to miss singing and worship, you're not actually missing anything. Because that's not what worship is. A biblical theology of worship recognizes that worship involves more than externals. Instead, a biblical theology of worship leads to the conviction that worship is a lifestyle, not a moment in time. It, it comes from something more. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. True worship is a constant inner praise to the God of scripture expressed in prayer, in song, in service, in giving, and in living. This is what having a posture of worship is about. It's wherever you are, however you are. I'll put it on the screen. Entering into worship is living awake to God's presence wherever you are and praising him from there. That's what worship is supposed to be. So see, somewhere inside your story, there's something that triggers you about the singing portion of scripture. Those of you who show up 21 minutes late. And I just want to say to you what my therapist would say to me about that. You should be curious about what's going on there. Because you're not really avoiding worship. But you think you are. And isn't it profound that for those of you who avoid it, that you're actually avoiding being worshiping God? I wonder why that is. I don't know. I'm just going to create some awkward space for you to feel uncomfortable for a second. (laughs) Now, I want to show you how this posture of worship works when we're authentic about it. And we're going to do it inside the Palm Sunday passage, because this is what I discovered. That entering into worship, or sorry, this is what I discovered on the screen. The Palm Sunday passage is an incredible picture of what entering into worship is like. So those of you who show up late, those of you who like this is your jam, like worship is your thing, for those of you who've been hurt by worship and and it actually affects you in a bad way, for those of you who are triggered by worship, it makes no difference. For those of you who don't even have a clue what we're talking about, because you're just here with a friend, wondering how long this is gonna last, a long time, four more hours, it'll be fine. (laughs) Just kidding. I promised you would be safe. Just chill out, you're okay. I saw literally three people go like, oh, I don't know if I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad that I just saw that. Okay, you're all right, sit back down. I'm just, I'm just messing with you, so it's all good. All right, Palm Sunday is an incredible picture of what entering into worship is like. So let me read you the Palm Sunday story. If you have a Bible, it's in Matthew chapter 21. That's where we'll start. We're gonna read all the way through when Jesus enters the temple in verse 17. Verse one, now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the mountain of olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse six The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. from Nazareth of Galilee. Before I go on to the next passage, let me just remind you once again, when Jesus enters a space, he stirs everything up, always. He makes things uncomfortable, he makes things exciting, he exposes things, he sometimes brings conviction, but whatever he does, he doesn't generally enter a space without being felt by everybody there. He goes on, verse 12, and Jesus entered the temple was the local church if you will and he drove out all who had taken up residence there all who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons and he said to them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, yes, I do. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice about this passage is there are a lot of very obvious examples of people worshiping Jesus. We're gonna walk through those. But I want you to notice before we uh, dismantle some of that, that Jesus received all of the worship that was offered him. That nowhere in the passage was he like, excuse me, ma'am, you with the palm branch. I know what's going on in your story. I know what you did two days ago. Put the palm branch down, ma'am. I'm gonna steer my donkey away from you. Jesus' donkey didn't avoid anybody. He just continued through the crowd, receiving all the worship, from the people that came with him because of the miracle, to the people that didn't believe he was the Messiah till they got caught up in the momentum, the traditionalists, to the babes, if you will, the orphans around the temple who flooded in once the money changers were kicked out and cried out to him, Hosanna, he received everybody's worship. And it's a really important point to own that because I think that as we look at Palm Sunday and how it teaches us to enter into worship, one of the first things you need to realize, and I'm gonna spend time on this, so right now you can question it, but Jesus receives your worship just how you are. There's no magic, there's nothing special. You don't have to sing like Chandra to bring worship to God. You get to bring exactly what What you are, including your doubt, your angst, your frustration, your church hurt, and all the rest of your stuff. You get to be the person God has created you to be, the artist he created you to be, the angsty person, the curious person, the frustrated person, the exuberant person, the critiquing person, the intellectual person, the emotional person, and so on. I'm tired of people trying to fit everybody in church into some sort of productive cookie cutter version of something that worked a long time ago. You be you and we'll let God figure out the rest of the stuff involved in his church. He's the lead pastor anyways. That's what he does. Like Dave said, there's a whole generation of people who aren't in this room right now that built this building, bought this land, and had a vision for this church to exist. And guess what, they're not here. Their season of bringing glory to God and ministering upon this earth is over. And just so you know, ours will be over soon as well. And there will be another crowd in here, hopefully led by our misfit children back in that room, who were raised in this church to be the young people they're supposed to be, with their sticky fingers and all, inviting the next generation to replace them, and so on, and so on and so on why don't we just live that way why don't we preach and sing and worship that way how good would that be there'd be nobody who wouldn't feel welcome in a place like that there'd be no traditions held above the spirit and the scripture that god gave us so notice that he took all the worship he collected it he re he he received it without uh asking for it to be defined now here's what i think is important for you to realize And that is that the worship they were offering him was from a quality standpoint, pretty much terrible. If you were to quality worship, right, qualify it, put it through a refiner and, and you have like the angelic level of worship. And then you've got the worship that Jesus was receiving here. This would be, I said it was accepted. I never said it was pure and with good intentions. It was a really poor and low level of worship. Let me show you. Jesus asked for a donkey. He's making a statement by doing this. He chose to ride a donkey, which directly fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy of Zechariah from 500 years earlier. That prophecy says this, rejoice, O daughter of Zion. These people would have known this verse by heart. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They would have known the verse, and when they saw Jesus come over the hill, on the donkey they would have realized like everyone knew that in biblical times it was common for kings and important people to arrive by procession riding on a donkey the donkey symbolized humility and peace and so those who chose to ride them instead of a war horse a stallion We're symbolizing to everyone around them they came with peaceful intentions. And yet we know that's not what these people were worshiping him for. Instead, I'll put it up, they were worshiping him for their desired war to come when what he was bringing was peace in the present. You see, these people were oppressed by the Romans. They were oppressed by another society. They had a culture that was imposing itself upon them and their beliefs. Sound familiar, church people? Yeah, yeah, look, we're gonna get personal, so just get uncomfortable right now, because it's, it's, not, it's not gonna leave the room. We as church people believe there is a culture that's oppressing our beliefs. Now, we all have different opinions around what that culture is. We call us light and them darkness, right? And that's why, by the way, we use that language all throughout Scripture to go, we are to bring our light into the darkness. We're not to protect our house of light from the darkness, which is a whole other approach that a bunch of people have done inside church. Let's glow this place up so the dark can't get in. Wrong. And actually, that's called a basket on a hill. I got a verse for that. I got a whole verse for that we're we love to glow our churches glow our homes and then walk out into the darkness like don't touch me you're filthy when instead we're supposed to actually like blow apart the walls and the doors and everything else and shine light into the darkness we're actually supposed to be entering into those spaces because we are the light but we're so not used to being uncomfortable even in our own church that then to enter into a relationship with somebody who's totally different than you feels unbelievably exposing both to you and to them. Cause you don't know what to do with all the stains in their life that you can now see because of the light in your own. And as you shine light on them, they have eyes to call stains back on you. Wait, I thought you were a Christian. Is that how you treat people? And then we're like, Oh, conviction. <laughs> I don't like this light thing. I'm going to go back into my church full of other light bringers who don't call out anything about anything. Keep myself safe. These people were worshiping Jesus for that war to come against the culture that was oppressing them. And that is not what he was there to do. He was there to bring peace to them in the present, to give them the light they could use wherever they went. That's why young people are so important for what we're doing right now. Because they shine with a light of their own presence, frankly, because they just don't know any better yet and they haven't been trimmed up by the world and beat down and told they don't fit and they don't belong. I'm here to tell you this is gonna be a place for those people bring influence and bring hope and actually teach some of us in our older traditions how to be people of light. And yeah, we'll be able to speak into those lives because we'll have earned that in relationship. And yeah, we'll be able to bless that because they be in relationship. But it's not about me trimming you to look and act and fit in a box like me. And yet, the most important thing about this is, although these people were bringing this worship, Jesus received it anyways. Like he's like, I'll take it. From there, it says that the people cut palm branches and waved them in the air, laying them out on the ground before Jesus as he rode into the city. I always thought this was an interesting practice because that means there wasn't a tree in Jerusalem by the time Jesus was done that didn't just look like a a light pole. (laughs) I don't have a sermon element for that, but there's something there about when Jesus enters a place, everything changes. They grab these branches because they represented goodness. Again, this is part of their culture. They were a symbol to the people of victory in their eyes. And in this instance, it may not have been victory over the Romans. It may have been actually, and take this to heart, victory over the church. Because the church at the time was constantly categorizing people as, you know, great, good, okay, and less than livestock. The church Categorized offerings people could bring no wonder this is such a beautiful thing that he's receiving their worship because there were even elements to the offerings that they would bring the whole system was broken and corrupt and had been warped from what God originally intended it and they knew it somewhere deep down inside they knew it and these people wanted victory from those oppressors but Jesus was bringing a different victory. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Jesus was coming to meet a larger need. These people worshiped Jesus for the lesser victory when he was bringing them the ultimate one. It's profound. It's us, like right now, asking Jesus, to help us overcome these things in our life that are just too much for us to bear. And Jesus is like, but I'm gonna be in that space with you, but can you see beyond that that I came to save you now? The word Hosanna that they shouted, this word actually means save now. That's the very next thing that they did. They were hailing Christ as a king. Though in their own minds they waited for a powerful earthly king to save them, God had a different way in mind of bringing true salvation to all who would trust him. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, I'll put it on the screen. This crowd was worshiping Jesus so he would claim power on their behalf when he was there to be the saving power that they all desperately needed to cling to. He was there to meet them more than he was there to meet their trauma. And they came and they offered him all that they brought to the story. And we do that a lot to God. We bring our trauma to God. Once we've built enough of a relationship with him, we bring our trauma, but we don't bring ourselves. And we separate us from the trauma we're actually dealing with. This is a big mistake, I believe, in the church. This is the reason that emotional health has become a big part of Kessid. This is why I talk about therapy and I talk about connecting with more than just a church service and a verse that makes you feel good inside. Every person in this room is working out their story in real time, every single person. And Jesus is the one who's read it front to back why wouldn't you want to spend time with him talking about the stuff that actually matters? He already read your story. He's seen your movie. He knows how it ends. But we're too busy like these people worshiping him for something more, worshiping him for victory, worshiping him for overcoming, worshiping him for these these things that are important. I'm not saying they're not, but they're not everlasting. Every single prayer request that you and I offer Every single prayer request, it says that the Lord heals and that the Lord receives. It's what it says, but it may not be how you and I want to experience the healing or the receiving. It may be that the struggle you sit in right now is really, really important for you and what it is that you have to experience in this life. I'll give you an example. It says the very next thing he did was walk into the church. And when he walks into the church, it says that he clears out all of those who are selling those categorized offerings. The pigeons are for offering, right? The doves are maybe more offering. And then you've got other animals that says there's all kinds of people making money off of everybody else's spiritual trauma. And Jesus walks in. Another version says he sees what's going on in the temple. And then he walks out. And then he walks back in with a whip. You never see, by the way, a beautiful ornate 15th century picture of the Messiah with like that gold around him. And people just screaming to get out of his way as he's just whipping people out of the church. You never see that. But the Bible talks about it all the time. And the best part of this story, my favorite part, is that Jesus would have walked in, right? Saw what was going on in the church. Well, this is wrong. Then left the church with his disciples and then been like, hi, can I please purchase three long strips of leather? Peter, hold this this is going to go bad for everybody. <laughs> like, this is the only point in my mind that Peter is like, Jesus, listen, we got a good thing going. we got a lot of momentum. Like, our likes are way, way up. I just don't know if you whipping people is going to be a really good message for the church. And apparently Jesus doesn't care because he walks back in like Indiana Jones. Whack! <laughs> be amazing to experience this. Dude with a pigeon in the corner, he wouldn't dare. <laughs> Jesus, like, smack, right, snaps the pigeon out of his hand. Everybody's quiet, like, is this the Messiah with a whip? Jesus just starts running around, whipping everybody, turning over tables, it says, clearing the house that belongs to him. This is so important for you and for me. He's clearing the house that belongs to him. And then the very next passage says that he then healed the beggars, and touched the orphans. Isn't it profound that once Jesus clears the house of the dysfunctional church, all of a sudden people who really need the church feel like they can show up? Hmm. Now, I've just told you at the beginning, we believe that the Holy Spirit resides within us, that this is the new temple, right? So here's just my simple question. What in your heart is a pigeon and a table that needs to be overturned? What are you selling yourself constantly? Like, nah, it's fine, nah, it's fine. What are you allowing in there to build your emotional currency on that doesn't belong in the temple that is the life God wants to build with you? And here's the saddest part. If you could get rid of those things, what would then enter your heart that was actually supposed to be there? Where would you have more empathy? Where would you be more generous? Where would you be more open-minded? Where would you be more light as you got rid of that pigeon and table darkness? That's for you. That's not for me. That's stuff that should keep you awake at night, and I hope it does. In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope it goes with you. Because there is a life that you are called to live that is more than the one you're living now. Me too, and my job is to be convicted by the fact that when Jesus enters a city or a house or a person, he changes everything. And then when he clears that space, he fills it with stuff that really matters. Now there's gonna be pushback because if there's pushback to Jesus, there's for certainly going to be pushback to you the passage wraps up with a bunch of church people showing up saying, do you hear? Uh, excuse me, Jesus, do you hear what these people are saying? That they're, they're saying to save you? These are beggars and, and filthy children, orphans. These aren't people of high caliber. This isn't worship. That is great quality. Do you hear? And Jesus just says to them, Yes. He receives even this worship. And so it seems to me that when it comes to receiving worship, Christ pushes out the shrewd and receives the messy. It seems to me that Kesset is perfectly postured for worship beyond even... Our ability to lead, it's just something he does. But we have to decide it's not that complex. It's just messy. We're messy. And so let's bring our worship. But do you know why it will be difficult to do and accomplish? This is where we get to the crux of this message. This is really important. So put down your phone. Listen. Listen. You and I, all we have to do in order to walk out the worship we're built to walk out is be messy about offering it that's all we have to do a lot of us in this room are shrewd at offering it or we're hidden at offering it or we're protective at offering it or we're intellectual at offering it or 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 we rarely come to him like a like a beggar in a sense empty-handed and like a child who just doesn't know any better that he's covered and sticky and this is the god of the universe He's like, hey, hey, Hosanna. Woo! And everybody's like, no. And it's just, boom, Jesus and this kid and just whatever he had on him from the day and Jesus doesn't care at all. That's how we're supposed to worship. But instead we see Jesus and we're like, I'm cut down a palm branch. I'm going to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, I'm going to lay it down. We go through all these routines and do all these things. And Jesus passes by in spite of the fact that you and I are really the same as this crowd. We are first off very much so worshiping for a war to come. We're like, God, I'm so glad you're here. Have you seen these people's lifestyle? (laughs) Save us, Lord, from them. Their culture's encroaching on my culture. Or we're worshiping people for lesser victories when he's offering a much larger one and we want him to overcome things like the balance of our checking account. Hey, it's a big deal, I get it. Or we want him to worship for this unanswered prayer. It's also a big deal, but there is a greater victory inside the posture of worship that says, God, you are above and inside it all. Or we worship him by claiming power from him so that we can go and overcome all those people who hurt us. See, I understand, because Kested suddenly has, I feel like we tipped a scale where we had like 70% of our people were like, okay, I'm just a church person, and like 30% were church hurt, and then all of a sudden I started preaching about church hurt, and a bunch of more people were like, oh, I think I could go to a church that talks a lot about church hurt, and suddenly like 80% of everybody here has passed church hurt. Real quick, just for fun, how many people, raise your hands, no one can see you online, have church hurt in their life, somewhere inside their story raise their hand. Hi, raise it, high. Yeah. <laughs> God is doing something with those people. He's doing something with those hands. He is doing something with you, and I am so very grateful that you're here. But I think that you are part of the key to bringing incredible presence to this community because you're not playing around with the stuff in your life that's just messy. You just raised your hand in a church service that said you were church hurt, how dare you? It's the house of God. You know God saw that, right? Nobody online did, but God saw that. (laughs) And at first, maybe a little bit of, he's like, he tricked me, I didn't know, Lord. That's your church hurt speaking out. Relax. God already knew. God already knew your church hurt. And guess what? The church hurts people. It did all the way back then. That's why these people are praising him for this power to overcome this dysfunctional thing. But instead, Jesus says, I'm gonna be the power that overcomes the stuff and hurt in your life so that you can be the church that people are supposed to experience. Lastly, some of you in this room, you worship shrewdly. Like you are so good at it. You're beautiful at it. You sing the songs. You close your eyes. You know most of the lyrics. You stand up when you're told to. You sit down when you're told to. You rock back and forth. You look perfect. But on the inside, you're nothing but a pigeon cage. And you know it. And God knows it. It might be time for you to take a break from that sort of performance and just sit in the chair close your eyes or Bow your knees, or do something that is a little less drawing attention to you and a whole lot more drawing attention to Him. See, we are the crowd that surrounded Jesus. And we do offer shrewd worship and worship for the lesser, the lesser power or the lesser victory. We do this manipulation all the time. And this is the most beautiful part of the story. Jesus accepts it all. Do you see that your worship is valid, that your worship is authentic and Jesus accepts it all and it doesn't even have to be that quality. It can be tilted. It can be a little leaning. You can even try to manipulate just a tiny bit. It's pretty normal actually in people's prayer lives to go, God, if you'll just do this, I'll do this. No one actually says it from stage because it sounds really gross, doesn't it? But you could try. You can be angry with God. You can be frustrated with him. You can be numb. I've even had people tell me that They're atheists who've tried worship but don't believe in the God they're worshiping and still feel something and they wanna figure out what that is. And I'm like, yeah, that's confusing. (laughs) It's probably your no God, that's what it is. He has a word for you. His name is Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. I know, crazy. What if we just brought what we were to the table? According to this story, Palm Sunday is a representation that God receives that worship just as it is. And that he works with it and that he does something with it. And what if that, what if that is that balance point that changes everything in your life and how you view the world, how you view work, how you view your church hurt, the trauma that's happened, everything inside your story. What if you could just be authentic about the angst of following Jesus and you could say, oh, you make me so frustrated. All right, I'll be there. Oh, I don't understand why life is this way, but I know you're the creator of it. What if we could experience that fresh wind, just as we are, without having to pretend or be anything else? That's how I wanna close this service. Chandra and I were talking about what song to use, and she built me a playlist of some current songs, made some suggestions, and then within the playlist, not something she suggested was a song that I felt was supposed to be saying over you today. And so that's what's gonna happen. I wanna offer for those of you who are gonna experience worship, that you do whatever you need to do. Some of you, you're supposed to stand up. You're supposed to raise your hands. You're supposed to sing out. Some others of you, you're supposed to stay seated. Others, you're supposed to just be intellectual and think about how this is impacting you. Some of you, you just need to feel it. Others, this is gonna feel assaulting. It's okay to protect your heart. God's really good at getting past your defenses in just the right way. But it's okay, you protect your heart. And others, this is all just a big joke, that's fine. Just smile, God will be happy to talk with you about that. Others, you need to pray with someone. So we have some folks from our prayer team down in this corner right here that you can come and pray with. Or you can just come and sit with and have them pray over you. I don't know what you're supposed to do. That's not my job. I just know that whatever you do can be received as worship. And so you can connect with your creator and allow him to change you and this room like he did that city from the inside out. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, in this place right now, there's so many people coming from so many different angles. And so God, I I just need to give the entire room, recognize I should say, that the room is is all yours. There's There's just too much happening, too many feelings, too many memories, too much hurt, too much excitement, too much joy and sadness and anger and hope. God, in this room right now is just a glimmer of what humanity experiences every single day. We always feel like we have to set down all these pieces of us in order to bring you our worship. And it's just not true. And so Lord, I speak against all of that. I pray that your Holy Spirit pushes all of that out and that instead, Lord, we are left holding in our hands who and whatever we are. That there would be a a refreshing, a meeting, a redemption. That it wouldn't be, God, about anything else but you meeting each person here where they are and receiving that relationship and that connection. May there be a fresh wind, Lord, that blows upon this place as we sit before you. As we wait upon you, and as we lift our songs, we lift this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Spirit sound rushing wind, fire of God for within Holy Ghost. Survival livers smoldering Breath of God Fan us into Cause we need a fresh wind The fragrance of heaven Pour your spirit out Pour your spirit out Oh, we need a fresh wind fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out
4: Church, Would you bend your, bend. your light, a lamp of flame, skating
3: A fresh on me, come awake me from my sleep. Come wake me, Lord, and blow through the caverns of my soul. Pour at me to overflow. Oh, to overflow. Why don't we stand and sing that together this morning? Make that your prayer. Bring your heart into a posture of wanting more of the Spirit in your life. Oh, Spirit of the
4: living God, come fall fresh on me. Come awaken me from my sleep. So blow through the caverns of my soul. ¡Oh!
3: to see you next week and have an awesome day, okay?